live from Studio 6B on a Monday night. Real America's Voice, Dish Network Channel 219, Pluto TV Channel 240, Samsung TV Plus Channel 1029. Paul Nolan's here with the news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Amorati's going to have sports. Geo Friend holding it down as always. How are you? I'm good. How was your weekend? It was uh, very nice. Uh, got some family time in. And, uh, went up to visit my daughter up at school and watched Crypto Crash. And uh, <laughs> that was fun. Just shows you my resilience. Well, that that's, goes with just about every market right now, which we'll talk about because uh, Biden says today, he comes out today and says on Tuesday he's going to give a big speech and it's going to be focused solely on how he's going to deal with inflation. Now he's getting serious about inflation. That's nice. and I oh, just, now? Okay. I That's just, nice. I just half laugh as if he thinks there's anything he can do about it. He, he should really go talk to his um, transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg, because he really probably could do more than Biden can do. And he could have done more all these months. He's done nothing. Supply chain seemed to still be pretty much a disaster. That would have way more an effect on easing inflation than, than uh, Bi- anything Biden can do, which makes you wonder if Biden even knows what the hell's even going on with inflation and how it works and how it can be handled. The Fed only has certain tools. I don't know what Biden thinks he's going to do. Spend more money. <laughs> well, I, I, th- I thought he solved it, what was it, about a month or so ago when he told people, he told businesses, uh, you know, pay your, wa- pay, pay your workers more and don't raise prices. <laughs> that, that, I think, is the, uh, the winning formula. Yeah, don't, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what his formula is these days. But um, anyways, uh, Mr. Delgado, how was your weekend? It was uh, nice. Uh, and again, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Yep, hope you all had a nice day yesterday. Um, Rick Amorati, how was yours? Fantastic. Great with the mother and my sister. It was good to see them all. So happy Mother's Day to all our mothers. All right, very good. We all had a nice night, a nice day yesterday as well with family. Uh, did a nice Mother's Day brunch. It was nice. So um, I guess, the, and actually the Biden thing, I always ask you guys on Monday, what's caught your attention besides personal stuff, if there's anything. And I guess I'll go first. And that is this Biden speech Tuesday. Which to me either means the CPI print on Wednesday morning. They already know it's going to be a disaster. Which of course I was hoping. Um, I don't know that I don't know if they know that's this far in advance what it's going to be. I don't know if anybody actually knows what the CPI print's going to be in advance. Maybe other than the Fed and the Fed go. I don't know. I'm not sure how it works if the if the White House knows it in in advance. But they did this last month too. If you remember, Saki came out in the press briefing room the day before and gave this big speech on. You know, well, we expect it to be kind of this, but we're trying, you know, they were trying to get out in front of it. Well, so I'm noticing now again, we get this thing today that Biden's going to give this speech tomorrow on Tuesday. Biden's all oh, fighting, talking about inflation. And of course, we get this CPI print on Wednesday. So to me, that either means they're trying to get out in front of it again, and they know it's going to be a disaster, which a disaster would mean anything that still has an eight in front of it to me. I think what was the last one? 8.2? Yep. Mm-hmm. 8.5 if it was 8.5 then maybe you could still have an 8 if it was like an 8 8.2 you want to see something come down you want to see month over month come down there's a lot of things we'll be looking for in this print on Wednesday morning but the fact that he's giving this speech it just I just kind of chuckle because I don't I'm interested to see what he thinks he's going to say that he's going to be able to have an effect on you know, it's the Fed's job to keep stable prices and keep full employment. That's their dual mandate. And everybody has said, 
Jen Psaki says, today, I believe it was today the clip I saw. Well, geez, no one could have saw inflation running like this a year ago. <laughs> well, she should have watched this show because we talked about it. And what do we know? Nothing. We know enough to know that, though. Ted Cruz talked about it. I saw some clips of him a year ago talking about the inflation. I mean, we've talked about the fact that we've had easy, loose money policy in this country by, this, by the Federal Reserve for a long, long time. They told us inflation was too low. They told us it wasn't a problem. They pumped money, pumped money, printed money, printed money. They printed all the money in existence. 40% of it was printed in two years. We told you about that. Sure, the things that we couldn't see coming, like the war, like, the, like things in China. Of course, there's always X factors that you don't factor in to inflation. But supply chains, this administration has been working on for how long? Yeah, we're watching the death of the, you know, of, of just this fiat currency. This is what we're seeing. I mean, they don't last this long, and they've they've inflated this market, and they've pumped liquidity for a long time. And it's, it's just to me, it's like there's something that has to give. We're at the 50-year mark plus, and, you know, this is, you know, we're just hearing that, like, death rattle of the dollar. Well, I mean, I don't know. There's some people who would argue with that right now, given the dollar's at an all-time high today. I mean, the dollar is showing tremendous strength. Now, again, the DXY or the dollar, if you follow it, is the reason it's showing strength is because the basket of things that it competes against are all just in the toilet. Right. So you can judge whether you think the dollar itself, as we know, $30 trillion in national debt, all the printing, and I know what Paul's saying. But unfortunately, right now, the dollar is as strong as we've seen it in, in, well, in some time. Well, let's hope it buys us five or ten more years. Let's at least. Let, I mean, because this can't, this this current system can't last it the way it is. You know, it's going to have to go to a CBDC, right? It's going to have to go to something that the Federal Reserve and governments around the world need to control and expand and contract at their whim. And that's how they siphon off the wealth from everybody. Right. Yeah. Well, some would say that's exactly what we have now, though. Yeah, well, that Just is what if, we because have they now. make it digital. It's not going to make it any better, right? Well, they'll reset it. They'll absolve old debts. You know, they'll, they'll do what they did in 1913, like a similar process. Obviously, on a just grander scale right now. So to me, there's, you know, I'm concerned because, I mean, honestly, we've talked about it for a while that the, the stock market is up, let's just be honest, from the crash in, in, when COVID hit and the lockdowns began, went down to 17,000. Yeah, I was going to say 18,000, yep. I think it was 17,2, actually, seven, whatever it was. Let's call it 17,5. You know, it doubled, you know, it, it, to 35. And, now it's at 32. It almost feels like it's time to just run for the hills. That's what it feels like right now for me. Like, just pull everything out, sit on the sidelines, and, and wait a year and see what happens. That's what it feels like to me. Mm. Well, every indice is getting killed, uh, mainly because inflation, because uh, people are worried about a slowdown in growth, uh, which is obviously when then, you, then you're going to have stagflation. Stagflation. And we're uh, headed towards depression if the Fed can't get in front of inflation. And, we've, and we have said on this show for how long – and I've never understood the fact that even if we didn't have 8.5% inflation, we wouldn't leave the federal funds rate at zero, effectively, where it's been. So we would have to come up eventually to a 25 3% where they want inflation to usually run anyways. Well, right now, we're not even, we're, we're not even back to what most would have called an accommodative policy at 25 3%. We've still got more hikes to go to even get to that. And we still have eight and a half. Well, we'll see Wednesday what we have for inflation. So this idea 
that the Fed thinks that this underlying economy is so strong that the economy is going to be able to handle these rate hikes that they say they're going to do. We're already seeing, um, we're already seeing that that's, I mean, people are going to be, I, I told you, the next thing you do is look at your 401k statements as mm-hmm. we're heading into the midterms and 403s, and you're going to start to go, what the heck? I'm paying this, I'm paying that, I can't keep up, and now this? Well, now you're starting to, that's happening. Market's getting hammered because they have no, they don't think, if you watch the bond market, they don't think the Fed can get in front of inflation. That's clear. Look at treasuries. Look where they are. They don't think the Fed can get in front of this inflation. So this print on Wednesday morning is going to be very important. If it's, if it's eight, eight, four, eight, five still, I don't know. The Fed's going to have to pivot because they can't raise to five, six, seven, eight percent. There's just no way they're going to do it. So it, it, it is, it's ugly right there. Household uh, debt, credit card, you're seeing debts, you're seeing those numbers start to go through. The savings that everybody had uh, due to the government printing checks and sending out easy money, loose money, all this stuff, that's starting to dry up. So everybody's, everybody's still hoping that the consumer will carry through here as far as purchasing and, and spending. To me, I, to me, that's already drying up. So as we head into the midterms, you wonder, you wonder why the White House is trying to um, have things like this tomorrow. I, I, I'm truly interested in what he's going to say. What effect he possibly thinks he can have on this. It's, it's almost zero. But you can tell us you're going to spend more? That's going to help us? He's going to make another push for Build Back Better. We got to spend trillions more because 19 people wrote me and told me it's going to be deflationary. Is that what he's going to tell us? (laughs) Joey Baby, what's he going to tell us? Pete Buttigieg would have way more effect if if he had any clue what he was doing and could get some of these supply chains opened up and have any relation around the world with some of these other places that we need to open up. But clearly he doesn't because nothing's gotten better in that respect that I could tell. Well, do you think it's all by design? I don't, defined by design. To do what? Try and To try hammer and, the American people yeah. into being broke? Yeah. So, so he this, gets no votes? This, uh, th- no, I wouldn't care say about that's votes. by design. He doesn't care about votes. He doesn't care about votes. He already said he, d- he doesn't care about, he only cares about who counts the votes. He's, he's made that painfully clear a few times already. Uh, when, they don't so care about votes. So when you say by votes, design, what's by design? Um, the policies that they're, they're pushing, what they're trying to do to this country. They've all said that this is what they want to do. Well, they want to push about, us into this green economy. Right. You're talking about great reset. You'll have nothing yeah, and like it kind exactly. of a thing. Is this the end of the line kind of a thing? Well, I mean, when you listen to the, to the mafia in Davos and you listen to these, you know, the World Economic Forum talk, I mean, it is frightening. I mean, and it's, it's curious, the timing. You know, I, I don't know why it would happen now, though, if it was going to be by some kind of a design, if it was some kind of a grand conspiracy, which I don't think it is. I just think markets react. I think that we're watching you know, the devaluation of the dollar with the expansion of the currency. I know what the DXY, as D said, you know, is showing strength and all, but I just think it shows strength against something that's very weak. It's like saying Kermit's the toughest Muppet on Muppet Street, uh, you know, on Sesame Street. Like, I don't think it's a big deal. You know what I mean? So, like, to me, at this point right now, when commodities are worth nothing, we've seen inverted yield curves. We, like, right, we're seeing almost everything is being, you know, uh, watered down and, and frozen. This, the supply chain issues we're having, the route, the routes, uh, that whole one brick, one road initiative is all controlled by China. 
they can control markets. Yeah, but the, but, but I don't just, know if it's all by design by now. Because if it was, why would it happen now? But like, more of what control, we're seeing is it. policy relating to what the Fed has done for the last ten years, not what Joe Biden has done for the last two. He has he has certainly not made it better. The Democrat Party, our government spending, in some respects, both parties have certainly not made it better. Without but what doubt. we're seeing today in markets, the last ten days, two weeks, three months, is more related to what the Federal Reserve in this country has done, being behind the ball. With inflation, given all the money printing that we did since they told us inflation was not, nothing to worry about back in 2018 when they pivoted. When they pivoted in 2018 to this easy, loose money, inflation's actually too low. We need to, oh, we need to pump this, we don't have to get liquidity into the market. That had nothing to do with President Trump at the time. If you remember, President Trump used to hammer the Fed. Yeah. Not being easy enough, he used to say. He needs to do more during COVID. We need to pump more money into it. Well, looking back, I don't, I, you know, it was probably too much. And we've seen it continue since then. So it's, it's getting ugly out there. We'll see Wednesday morning what this print is and how it's going to affect you. Live from Studio 6B, just getting started on a Monday. Glad you're in. Right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Monday night. Glad you're in. Paul's going to do some news here in a second. Rick Delgado's here. Gio Fran holding it down as always. But right now, let's do some sports. And um, I'm sure the Sixers series must be over by now, right? Slick Rick, it was, they were down 2 nothing after Thursday going into the weekend. And I know you were down on them. And I, so what's the series at now? Nah, everything flipped in Philly. It was a flip, Philly flip over the weekend. Sixers came back, 1-2. Oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to temper my enthusiasm based on your suggestion from Thursday night. What was my suggestion on Thursday night, Slick Rick? Uh, Slick Rick, you are not to get excited or overly enthusiastic if the Sixers should come back You're not and tired. Thank That's you, right. Nostradamus. Because you were so negative. <laughs> yeah, because you went. He was doing the whole, oh, it was oh over. my team is over. So yeah. if it comes yep. back, he gets to feel joy. But if they don't, it was his disappointment's over. been muted. During Absolutely. the commercials, he was unbearable here in the studio. Oh, it was just oh, He's right? never unbearable. Right, Rick? He wanted him. to trade the entire team. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, yeah. Wa- he wanted, he wanted uh, you know, uh, Philadelphia to just be physically removed from the map. Yeah. And he, 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 well, that's yeah, not that over. bad an idea. What, what, you think? what can I say? I'm yeah. a self-loathing fan. Now, that's now, what it is. Now he's, now he's talking about growing a James Harden-type beard. <laughs> yeah, the beard. Well, at least we get rid of 1,100 mules in Pennsylvania, if that's uh, if that's the case. That could be, absolutely. Anyway, uh, good segue into the NBA. Big D. We got NBA playoff action tonight. Celtics at the Bucks. Five-serve form. Downtown Milwaukee. Right now, Celtics up 34-33 in the second quarter. It's early. And, uh, well, Celtics need this game. They're losing 2-1 to one in the series, and they must even it up. And speaking of needing to even it up, Memphis at Golden State. That's a 10 p.m. tip out in Frisco at the Chase Center. Golden State also up two games to one. Game five, East Semis. Yes, the Sixers won last night. 116-108 over the Miami Heat. 
and the scene changes back to Miami tomorrow night at 7.30 p.m. Series, as we said, is tied. FTX Arena and Game 5 West Semis. Dallas at Phoenix tomorrow night. Mavs with a big win yesterday, 111-101. That series is also even 2-2. Boy, real tight races. And speaking of tight races, let's go over to the NHL playoffs. Another good one. Game 4 right now, East first round, uh, 7 p.m. puck drop. Rangers at the Penguins, the PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh Penguins lead the series 2-1. One, and they're up right now, oh. three to one oh. in the second period. So I don't know, Rick. That's not looking good for the I Rangers. I feel like you. They got. They're gonna need to win this, or it'll be <laughs> down three to one tonight. I know. And game four, also Panthers at Capitals, Capital One Arena in Washington. Caps lead that series two to one. Game tied right now, one to one. Second period later on tonight, nine thirty p.m. Puck drop. Avalanche at the Predators. Avs looking to close that series out. They're up three nothing, and they're looking to get it done in the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, Tennessee. And also way out west there, Flames and Stars. Uh, uh, Flames at the Stars. Dallas leads that series 2-1 to one in a, a bit of a surprise there. And that uh, American Airlines Arena in Dallas, 10 p.m. puck drop. And guys, the news over the weekend was that 2022 Kentucky Derby of a doozy. Woo! It was uh, the uh, Kentucky Derby sets record for betting handle. This is from Chalina Goldman of Yardbrocker. The Kentucky Derby always pulls in a ton of people because of its gambling appeal. But the 2022 rendition of the most exciting two minutes in sports took it up a notch. ESPN reported via Churchill Downs that a record-setting 179 million was bet in the parimutuel pool on uh, Saturday. This is the uh, that that number is up 17 percent from 2021, according to ESPN. Only 501 thousand of the total amount wagered on the win pool was on Rich Strike, the 80 to one long shot who won the run for the roses out of absolutely nowhere. We're talking about a horse that was filling in for a scratch, wasn't even on the list. And I'm sitting there watching the race. I saw it live and I said to myself, these guys in the back, they're probably just glad to be there. They get a little payday, (laughs) have a nice time out. Their owners get to, you know, hobnob with the big winners. All of a sudden, this horse out of nowhere, like it was shot out of a cannon. And the best part, right at the end, and one of my getter followers picked up on it too, the horse was actually looking at the other two horses and kind of giving a look like, yeah, I gotcha, I gotcha, and boom, just darted right past them. One of the most exciting races, personally, that I've ever seen, and it was the second largest uh, underdog of all time. I think there was a 94 to 1 That horse. horse made one of the great moves you'll ever I've see. I've seen. You'll ever see from up That above. jockey ran a perfect race. Incredible. That Absolutely. was incredible. I mean, the, jo- the jockey did, I agree. But, man, the horse, the, the heart of that horse, it just, I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. From uh, overhead, when they get to the final turn, I mean, you couldn't in a million years have picked that horse out from where he was. <laughs> no way. If they didn't have the arrow over him showing him, I mean, you in the replay, you'd never know where he came. I mean, it's, when you that watch was the most it with the arrow. I've ever seen, too. I mean, it was, yeah. what a run. Incredible. What a run. My favorite thing was at the end when they were interviewing the jockey. I mean, the, uh, the owner. Yes, and the exactly. father's was now everybody. I forgot his name. Most of the uh, the jockey's name again. Um, because now everybody know. knows who he is. Now we know how good he is. Now everybody knows how good he is. Yeah, incredible. That was a cool story, man. Incredible. Thirty thousand bucks they paid for that horse. Wow. Oof. And the next one is the Preakness Stakes, gentlemen. That's Saturday, May 21st. Hey, let's see if uh, Rich Strike could uh, go and uh, take the Triple Crown. That's a long shot for Elf. Mm. Elvish long shot. And uh, anyway, that's a wrap in sports. Big day. Have a little golf. Have a little rodeo. Have a little NASCAR. Formula One. I got a lot later coming up. Okay. You picked the Superfecta, the first four horses. Um, Dollar Superfecta, which means you'd have to pick them in the right order, which is, if you boxed it, I think it would cost you uh, probably like 50 bucks or so. But uh, paid three hundred and fifty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> and probably nobody had it. Yeah. Who could have had that? Well, probably nobody. But right. 
fun to look at. So, all right, let's do some news. And here with the news is Paul Nolan. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? Well, uh, have you seen 2,000 Mules yet? I have seen almost all of it. I saw the first hour and five minutes of it. It's an hour and 25 minutes. I, I didn't get to finish the last 20, um, but it's damning. It's, in, it's so well done. It's not overblown. It's reasonable. It's rational, and it's evidentiary. I mean, it's... Dinesh D'Souza said Fox won't put him on to talk about it. Yeah, did you hear that even... Uh, and he got canceled on Newsmax. Yep. Newsmax is so in, in the pocket of the... Uh, we should get Dinesh D'Souza on here. I mean, come on. I'd love go. to have him on to talk about it. We can, we'll, we'll try to get him on. I mean, he, listen, you, Real America's Voice wants to get to I want to watch level, it first. You, you're going to watch it, and you're going to say, my goodness. It's the same stuff we've been saying since, well, I've been saying whatever since Jump Street. No one's going to tell me different. I know what I saw. I'm not an idiot. I'm not the smartest guy in the room anywhere I am, but I'm not the dumbest. And there's no doubt in my mind that these people are stuffing ballots. I mean, we have, we have trucks being, postal trucks being jacked. With 300,000 ballots in them and gone. And then next thing you know, there's 300,000 plus fraudulent votes in Pennsylvania that swings that that state. Come on. Yeah. Come on. And, and then you've got... The uh, puppet in chief, yeah. From his I, basement. Yeah, all right. I forget some reporter wrote some story. Oh, the geo-tracking. Well, that's not accurate. Really? Yeah. Geo-tracking isn't accurate. Yeah, since when? <laughs> the military uses it. It's used in court cases. If you got an easy pass, guess what? They know exactly where you were. Uh, they use your phone data. Uh, what else do they use it for? Uh, law enforcement uses it. Oh, just up and down. But for this, for voting, it doesn't work. It's not accurate. Right. But for everything video, else in the world, right? The video it's that perfect. correlates right with it that doesn't work either. Right. Don't believe your lying eyes. People stuffing ballots. Yeah. With this, what did they say? This four million. You know, minutes of of yeah. uh, of, of, of footage that they have. There was, there was actually more, minutes. but I guess some of it, uh, some states got rid of their their footage. And I, and I had a question that I threw out on Getter over the weekend because I didn't realize. Um, you know, I was wondering, like, who put these cameras up there to watch this stuff? And it turns out, I guess it was part of the deal when you set up these drop boxes. It has to be um, set up with a camera, and I didn't realize that. And well, some people who had seen it reported back that, yes, I saw 2,000 mules. It's part of the protocol that when you set up a Dropbox, there has to be a camera pointed at it recording. Yeah, the problem is the, uh, the Republican Party doesn't, you know, um, rally around itself. It doesn't organize itself with, with Soros money. But it's at the point right now where there's going to have to be an, a, a group that just goes out and videos every one of these sham Dropboxes. No, what I'm saying is that the video cameras are supposed to be set up. That that's part of the deal when I you have these drop saying. boxes. But I, I that's where they saying. got the footage from. No, I know that's I know what you're saying. Oh, okay. But what now I'm saying is people have to video people actually stuffing the box hand because a lot of the stuff the police won't even look at, and it's like everybody's got to like you know deter these people from stuffing these ballots at this point. Right. There's got to be a groundswell movement on, on the right side at this point. It's, well, there's got to be arrest. I mean, that should this, this would be considered uh, evidence, the, right? Well, that's it. The law enforcement <laughs> should be all over this. Dinesh D'Souza had a couple of tweets about what you guys are discussing right now. I'll get to them when we get back. Live from Studio 6B on a Monday.
right, 30 minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B. We didn't do much news there. I don't think we did any news. We no, were going to do it, and then we got on uh, 2,000 Mules. Uh, just a couple things, by the way. Dinesh D'Souza said today, true the vote has the cell phone IDs of all the mules. Law enforcement can easily identify them, arrest them, and find out who exactly uh, paid them and who on the Democratic left organized the criminal election fraud cartel. And he left it at that because obviously that's not happening, but as he says, easily could. Um, That Tucker Carlson thing he said, I heard Tucker was banned from saying, yeah, let's go. He said, I'm sorry to say Tucker Carlson and his team specifically instructed Catherine Engelbert uh, of True the Vote not to mention the movie. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. That's insane. That is insane. How, 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 how is that even? Fox has not mentioned the movie once. Why? How can they Fox even? Fox is not in the bag of the establishment. How can they even go there when it's, it, it's pretty much blowing up across, uh, across the country? He said, by the way, Newsmax is also blocking coverage of 2,000 Mules. I was booked on Newsmax show, and then network canceled on me. Criticize the move if you like, but why isn't this a legitimate news story? I, would, I, I mean, I don't know where, he, where he's appeared on Real America's Voice. I would have to think he's appeared somewhere. I'd love to have him here. Yeah. I'd have him here in two seconds. Man, I'd have would, him here for the whole hour. Yeah, Without a doubt. He's two hours. too. I mean, every time he makes a film, it's always so clear, concise, accurate, and clean. It's not, there's not, you know, it's not filled with all that, I can't even use the word hyperbole anymore because <laughs> sock puppet directed. He also said, and this is a good point, you guys were talking about this in the break, uh, the CDC geotracks people to see if they're social distancing, if geotracking were not highly precise and accurate as the bogus fact checkers are claiming, how could the CDC use it to determine if people are standing six feet apart? Or, or yeah. the people on January 6th, they supposedly geotracked them before they even got there. Yeah, yeah. what about that? Or, or, or just talk to your, your, your latest buddy who may have been in a divorce proceeding. I'm sure they used oh, geotracking yeah. of his uh, cell phone to find sure. out, or her cell phone, to find out where they were. Oh, yeah. Time to buy a lead box for your cell phone. That's the next one. LSF, LFS6B lead boxes. <laughs> put your cell phone in and just take it out when you need it by the oh, way yeah. every congressperson and senator should be asked if they've watched it as far as i'm concerned every one of them should be asked if they've seen it and, and they should be on the record with their thoughts now democrats won't obviously say say yes to either they won't say they watched it or because they don't care but every republican congressman and senator and governor any any republican conservative, whatever, should be asked if they've watched it. If not, why not? And if they have, on the record, what, what, what do they think? Let's find out. Let's get everybody where they, where they stand. So, yeah, the, I'm sorry. so we know who the yeah. weasels are going into the midterms. I was going to say, also let's uh, ask the, the governors of uh, certain five states and maybe those, uh, those uh, attorney generals in those states uh, what they think of that evidence that they see in front of their face. The thing about the movie is they go by such low estimates, too. They are such conservative ep- estimates that, let's just say in Pennsylvania, I believe they said if there was a le- they, they tracked 1,100 mules in Pennsylvania, which was obviously the most. Um, and they only used concentrated areas. They couldn't expand their entire search further because they just didn't have the manpower or the time, from what I believe I saw. Um, they could have went further with it. But when you see the 1,100 in Pennsylvania, they're, say- they're estimating if they only stuffed three illegal votes each with the average hitting, I believe, um, 
I think they, they, man, I can't remember off the top of my head. I was watching while I was running around getting ready tonight. I want to say it was 10 because that was like a number that wouldn't trigger things. 10 was the original. They cut it to five. Oh, they did? Okay. They cut it to five and three with 1,100, and and it it swings Pennsylvania just on that low estimated number. That's it. It was 10, and they cut it to five. It's, uh... Mm. I mean, it's crazy, man. It's just, we're just seeing, you know, look, we, they couldn't have Trump in there. Trump was going to keep fossil fuels rolling. And every single major mega corporation has invested all of their, you know, uh, research and development, all of their future plants, all of their future investments into environmental social governance and green energy, because that's where they're all investing uh, or divesting their portfolios to. And they're pulling money out of, you know, old you know, fossil fuel type businesses. And if it's not ESG compliant, there's no way BlackRock won't invest in it. BlackRock is making all decisions for $22 trillion with Vanguard and, and State Street under their, under their wing. And this is all just a scam, at least to this story here. This isn't just the news. A scandal is brewing in Georgia's Republican gubernatorial primary with candidate and former Senator David Perdue accusing incumbent Brian Kemp of engaging in shady backroom deals and lining his pockets of liberal megadonor George Soros as part of a massive new economic development project in the Peach State. Uh, Perdue told Just the News, this may be the worst deal I've seen in my business career, honestly. This was just uh, done the wrong way. And I've called the governor out on that and we've had no response. Earlier in the week, state and local officials in Georgia inked a deal to dole out $1.5 billion in incentives to electric vehicle startup Rivian for it to build a $5 billion manufacturing plant east east of Atlanta that will create 7,500 jobs. The incentives include major tax credits, a 25-year no-cost lease, um, $198 million in insight and road improvements on nearly 2,000 acres. The incentive package is by far the largest Georgia has ever offered to a company. And according to uh, Greg Leroy, executive director of Jobs, uh, Good Jobs First, the largest ever given by any U.S. state to any auto plant. I mean, this is without a doubt like a, the ultimate form of, of, of fascism. I mean, this is government and private company partnerships here. It says here that um, it goes on to say that... Uh, Last year, Soros bought 20 million shares of Rivian, worth about $2.1 billion at the time, according to securities filings revealed in February. The purchase made Soros among the country's most prominent backers of the progressive causes and one of the biggest investors in Rivian. And this is the same guy who's now funding all of these local races? And this is insanity. It's just insanity. Where is the accountability here? Hmm. Well, we've been talking about this Georgia race. I haven't understood it in any of the polling we've seen. I, I haven't understood it. I don't understand how Georgia could be could want Kemp on any level. I, I just don't get it. I mean, I know a couple of people have written me to tell me about, um, you know, the problems, some of the problems with Purdue and why they think he's not doing well. But still, do you remember how you felt November of? Uh, of uh, 20, um, 2020? I mean, when Kemp's uh, daughter's boyfriend blew up in a car? I mean, that, is it, I mean that. I mean, <laughs> I I mean is that that not, could that not be now considered, geez, Louise, maybe that was some kind of a threat. Could it just be a coincidence? I mean, I guess there's, it could be a coincidence, I guess, but 
You don't think that these billionaires, I mean, I, gangsters will shoot a guy for 40 grand. Yeah. This is billions. I mean, there's no corporate henchmen that'll, there's no corporate espionage. I mean, this is mafia stuff. This is gangs. This is world-class gangster stuff. You know what I think? Am the I crazy to think that that was? No, no, I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know if you're crazy or not. I was talking about how you felt on election <laughs> night and how you felt for the couple months after when he was MIA. Oh, yeah. Uh, MIA. And then we find out the Secretary of State has got deals with Stacey Abrams, the, the um, you know, Governor A, Governor B. She's of the involved. state who thinks she's the governor and her staffers were involved in the in the mules in georgia and yet kemp pulls 21 22 points ahead of purdue i i can't figure it well i i think i know what the problem is david it's somebody like purdue doesn't excite them I, i'm sorry but it's 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 like all right sounds like a chicken guy you know let's face it perception is everything if he's come across as weak before He's coming across weak now, you know? Could the polls be rigged? Could be. Or it could just be people aren't excited about David Perdue. Mm. Give them somebody like Herschel Walker, and they, they might be going, hey, you know what? Let's get rid of Kemp. Let's bring in Herschel. Uh, no, he's not know, running you, for that, so. You know, if you, if you had somebody that Trump was behind that had a, you know, um, a presence and, and, you know, had a track record, then they could say, okay, let's get behind this guy. But... I, I, you know what, David Perdue, big whoop. He, he doesn't do. He doesn't do it. He doesn't move the needle. By the way, Rivian in his high was one seventy eight. Today it closed 22, at twenty two dollars. Right? As Ford announced that they're going to sell eight million <laughs> shares of Rivian from their original uh, allotment. So that investment hasn't worked out too well in this, <laughs> in the supposed Tesla killer. Which clearly it's not going to be. All right, what else in the news, Paul? Anything else? Uh, yeah, DeSantis establishes victims of communist day requiring high school lessons. Students will be required to learn for at least 45 minutes on victims of communism day about communist leaders and those who suffered under them. Uh, so um, every year on November 7th, students will receive at least a 45-minute lesson on communism in honor of the 100 million people killed by communist regimes, topics uh, named in the bill include uh, Mao and the Cultural Revolution, Joseph Stalin and the Soviet system, Fidel Castro and the Cuban Revolution, uh, Lenin and the Russian Revolution, Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge and uh, Maduro. Um, so this is another example of, of uh, DeSantis just really throwing the screws to the communists of America. This guy's the best. He just one after another. The hits just keep on coming for... Uh, Ron DeSantis, this is just brilliant. Yeah. Uh, all right, we'll do some more news in a second. So one of the things I want to get to a little, I've got a couple minutes here to get start to get to. Um, piece in American Thinker today entitled, because I watched this interview. And as I'm watching it, I'm just shaking my head going, just here, so here we go again. Another, another one, another weasel, I was thinking. American Thinker uses the word snake, which is probably a much better term. A snake from President Trump's cabinet, Mark Esper, tells all to 60 Minutes. And I was watching this as it aired. And I'm thinking to myself, just another weasel who forgets that they serve at the pleasure of the president who just couldn't get to writing a book quick enough. And you start thinking back, and I know we've talked about this before, if he's going to run again or not. 
But you, th- you think of everyone from Mad Dog to Bolton to um, Bar to Bar now to Esper to all these people. Some of the endorsements he's given of people who have, have turned their back and talked trash about what was going on in the administration. Um, I mean, it just, I don't know, it just makes you shake your head and say at some point, I mean, I, I, Bolton sticks out to me, and now this one really sticks out to me. How are these people in these positions if they're this weaselly, these dirtbags? <laughs> that, that's how they got there. Bolton's no, but player. I mean, he's supposed to know better. Bolton has been a low life for a long time. I know, but I mean, I, I just don't understand. Snake. I don't understand how these people made it past the how these people made it past the Trump review. They get Mark Esper. Well, that's the problem, right? The staffers never leave, right? The, yeah. It's the the hive is so infested with 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 low lives at every level. These, once these guys are established and locked in, they never go anywhere. That's why they all, that's why they Rex, all stick together. Rex Tillerson. Go, go back. It's a long list. It's a long list of weasels who were not there, who were not there in the end to serve and, and try to be the best they could be and serve this president. And I don't know how much blame he deserves or not, but the fact is, here's another one who couldn't get to the media and get to a book quick enough. We'll discuss this after we do a little more sports when we get back. Live from Studio 6B on a Monday. A snake in President Trump's cabinet, Mark Esper tells all to 60 Minutes. When you think of everything that's gone wrong with the U.S. military, from its wokester agenda to its failure to contain Russia to its breakdown in discipline to the presence of General Mark Milley on the Joint Chiefs of Staff, pretty much all of it has the name of Mark Esper, President Trump's former defense secretary, all over it. Rather than slink off into obscurity after such a performance if not back to the big bucks war machine defense contractor lobby where whence he sprang from, he's out shilling a tell-all book and promoting it on 60 Minutes in a bid to discredit the man he purportedly served, quote-unquote, that, of course, would be President Donald Trump. According to 60 Minutes interviewer Nora O'Donnell, he now calls Trump, quote, a threat to American democracy, unquote. Now, just think about that. You're the defense secretary for the United States. We've had this discussion before with Mad Dog and all of these losers. Uh, what was his chief of staff? Another loser. These guys, we, when you're serving and you truly believe that, you don't speak up then, you wait to write the book and cash the checks? Weasels, all of them. Oh, Look at that how, face. It's like to punch it. That, that's how they get paid off with these book <laughs> deals where, where they get a huge check, but nobody buys the book. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just a big pump of propaganda. But his interview with 60 Minutes didn't come out the heroic way he probably thought it would. Unbeknownst to him, he demonstrated what a coward, a coward's coward, as a matter of fact, 
and slithering little snake he was while in office. Everything he did involved some new means of undercutting President Trump, or as O'Donnell summed up, subverted many of the president's wishes. The interview is online. You can go to uh, YouTube and watch it, or CBS if you have the stomach for it. Just watch it before you eat, this weasel. (laughs) There were multiple bad things he described doing in the interview, but the summary line that stands out comes near the end when he tells O'Donnell why he stayed in office instead of resigning on principle, exactly what I just said, which is what decent people would do. Let's go cut four, G. Let's watch this little a-hole. Roll, roll it. <laughs> in this book, you detail how you subverted many of the president's wishes. People will say you were disloyal. I never disobeyed a direct order from the president of the United States. I was fortunate that he often didn't give direct orders. But otherwise, I did what I thought was best for the nation and for our security and completely within the authority granted to me under the law. Critics will say, why now in a book? Why didn't you speak out during the Trump administration? Yeah, good for well, her. It's very simple. Uh, if I spoke out at the time, I would be fired, number one. And right. secondly, I had so, no confidence that principle. anybody that came in behind me would not be a real Trump loyalist. And Lord knows what would have happened then. There it is. If well, I spoke I mean, up, I'd be fired. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So what? I never, and by the way, is the initial thing he says in that, I didn't know that was the bar. Well, I never disobeyed a direct order. So what? That's not of the bar. You, that's like, that's like someone saying, I ain't never been to jail. You're not supposed to go to jail. Right. <laughs> you, you low expectation mother. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, like, it's I like take care of my kids. Exactly. You're supposed to take care of You're your kids. To. That's not something you should be proud of. I never disobeyed an order. Big deal. Clown. Why shouldn't someone who's been disagreeing with and working to undercut the president not get fired? Did he tolerate that kind of behavior when he was in the army himself? Or as a top lobbyist for Raytheon? What a hypocrite this guy is, she says. Worse still was his reason for not resigning after he decided he disagreed with President Trump on, well, everything. His fear that Trump might get someone loyal to his aims as a replacement, a real Trump loyalist, as he put it. So the only reason he sat there warming his seat at the Pentagon was to prevent Trump from hiring someone else who was interested in actually advancing President Trump's policy aims. Wow, what a guy we have here. The arrogance of this logic comes in part of a statement that he uh, made uh, that came before in the video, O'Donnell says, I don't know if we do we have this clip, G. O'Donnell says, you're a lifelong Republican, but in this book, you detail how you subverted many of the president's wishes. Uh, that's the one we just played. People will say you're disloyal. Uh, that, of course, was Alexander Vindman justification for his sleazy backroom tactics to impeach President Trump that he knew better than Trump, who was elected by you, the citizens, to do his job to determine what U.S. national security interests were the other parts of the statements are disgusting too that he never disobeyed a direct order and technically operated within the law which means he worked the legal loopholes instead of doing anything the president or the lawman could pin on him there are plenty of ways to get around the law if you're lawyered up enough to avoid the legal responsibilities which is what snakes like him do slither much mr snake 
Esper also claimed that Trump wasn't much for direct orders. Sounds like a guy who's a big, scary threat to democracy, as he claims. What a nightmare he must have been to President Trump, this guy. So let's get into some of the record and see how he's um, laying it out to generate outrage against President Trump. And I'll get back to this at the top of the hour. But let's do a little sports here and hear what that's Rick Emirati. What's going on, Slick Rick? Right, big D NHL update out in Pittsburgh there. The Rangers right now are behind four goals heading into the third period. Penguins up six to two. Rangers being outshot 30 to 19. Penguins looking to take a commanding three to one lead in that best of seven series. And Panthers and Capitals in a good one. Tied at one down in Landover. And that's in the second period as well. And out in Milwaukee. Uh, the Bucks right now at the half lead Boston 48-47. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 15 points and 11 boards. 11 boards in one half. That boy's having a good game. American Royal Rodeo, Kansas City, Missouri. The Hale Arena. Bear back riding Chad Rutherford, 87 and a half points on State Smith Pro Rodeos. Cactus Black picked up $2,200. Steer Wrestling, there was a tie. Tana Bruna and Jacob Elder, uh, 3.9 seconds, 2300 apiece. Team Roping, Ricky DeSueur and Clay Green, 4.4 seconds. Saddle Bronc, Riggin Smith, 86 points on State Smith Pro Rodeo's Levi the Boss. Tie down roping, Cash Hooper, 8.1 seconds. Barrel Racing, Bailey Choate, 15.09 seconds. Good score. Bull Riding, Matt Palmer, 83 and a half points on Pro Rodeo's number 8151. And the all-around cowboy, I know you guys were all waiting, Fenton Nelson, uh, tie down roping and steer wrestling. Wells Fargo PGA, Quail Hollow Club, TPC Potomac at Avno Farm. This was over the weekend. Charlotte, North Carolina, $9 million purse. CBS leaderboard. Max Homer with his fourth win overall, third in 15 months, and second since he gave up his popular podcast to focus on his career and mental health. The 31-year-old is starting to believe. Homer played solid, steady golf during a week of cold, wet conditions and a back-and-forth Sunday duel with Keegan Bradley, closing with a 268 for a two-shot victory in the Wells Fargo Championship. Uh, the TPC Potomac, which lasted, uh, which hosted the tour in 2018, held up well despite torrential rain on Friday. Friday and Saturday, and unseasonably cold temperatures in the middle of the week. So that's it, big day on that. And one more quick one. Max Verstappen wins first ever Formula One Miami Grand Prix over the weekend. Uh, Adam Yates, uh, a sights of the yard barker by way of Formula One race news. Max Verstappen won Formula One's Miami Grand Prix, beating Charles Leclerc by nearly five seconds for his third win of the season. Verstappen, 24, started third, but only needed until the beginning of lap nine to pass Leclerc for the lead, which he never gave back. Leclerc was who has two wins this season, is still first in the driver's standings after his fourth podium finish of the year. Carlos Sands finished third Sunday, and seven-time F1 champion Lewis Hamilton finished in sixth. Good race. Tom Brady was there. A lot of big uh, celebrities and uh, really cool track. I don't know if anybody got a chance to catch that, but that's really neat to see Formula One down in Miami. They transformed that that whole area there, which was really just phenomenal by Hard Rock. Good stuff. And uh, anyway, Big D, that's a wrap in sports. Back to you. All right, Slick Rick. Thanks. We'll do some more sports in the next hour. We'll do some more news, and we'll continue on this um, this Mark Esper interview, which really I was just uh, just sitting there watching it, going just another. Here's an, just another one from Bolton to just another one. I mean, I can't remember. I mean, I know there's some people who always write a book coming out of an administration, as some of them should. It's boring, whatever. But how how many? I mean, I can't think of another administration that's had this many tell-alls, people just trying to get to the dollars as quick as they can. All right, we'll get back to that. We'll do some more news live from Studio 6B on a Monday. Glad you're in.
right, live from Studio 6B on a Monday. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're doing, Mr. Nolan. <laughs> That's Mark Esper Weasel-ish kind of stuff. <laughs> and they got a third-string goalie, and they're missing yeah. their best defenseman, and, and their top, uh, their second-line winger that snipes is out. You know, they, there you go. They, you see teams <laughs> even it up, you know? Yeah. All right, uh, live from Studio 6B on a Monday night. Glad you're in. We'll get back to the, speaking of weasels, Mark Esper, the biggest one of them all. <laughs> we'll get back to a couple other clips from that interview that I think you should see. I mean, these people, I mean, just, ugh, I don't know. So we'll get back to that. Uh, we'll do some more sports. We'll do some more news. But let's get to, uh, let's have a little fun because um, Joey Baby was out today, out over the weekend, out out today. We got a couple of great things to show you. Now, uh, uh, G, am I supposed to say what you said to me in the break? Am I setting it up? There hasn't been many. I'm going to. There hasn't been many times that G says to me, Crazy Town might be an all-timer. I said to him, how's the Crazy Town, G? In the, in the commercial break leading into the top of the second hour here, he said, I think it's an all-timer. Now, now, did he say all-timer or old-timer? Was he talking about? Or he could have said kill. Alzheimer's. Maybe right. he was going to spy Maybe he said... <laughs> I don't know. He said all-timer. Oh, okay. So let's find out right now. Crazy Town, the return of Joey Baby. Roll it. Oh, boy. (laughs) There we go. I got elected when I was 29 years old in the United States Senate from a very modest background, and I was there for 36 years before becoming vice president. We always used to fight like hell. And uh, even back in the old days when we had real segregationists like Eastland and Thurman. It's like they're online. Your friends. And you. It's like they're online at the deli in these two. Today, we're joined by leaders of some of the biggest manufacturers in the country. GE, Siemens Energy, Honeywell, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, to announce a new initiative that is going to bury that label for good, Rust Belt. The pandemic and the economic crisis that we inherited and Putin's war in Ukraine have all shown the vulnerability when we become too reliant on things made overseas. If I can slow here for just a second and point out that, you know, I didn't realize I've been a senator for a long time and a vice president for eight years. I didn't realize there was an act passed back in 1939. It was called Buy America. I didn't know it existed. It's totally within the bounds of negotiated event, negotiated deals on trade. Today's job report shows our plans and priorities have produced the strongest job creation in the modern times of the American economy. And unlike previous administrations, where the deficit went up, every single year we reduced the deficit. Last year, with all we've done, we've reduced the deficit. This we reduced the deficit by a total of $350 billion. Let's reduce the deficit. Last year, and this year, by the end of the fiscal year, by October 1st, we will reduce this year's deficit by $1,500,000,000. Because of my economic strategy, companies and, are, and jobs are coming home again. And in small and large towns quiet. across America, they bring quality jobs and middle-class jobs to, to, the, to people. I, uh, if you again, excuse me to digress a second, I, when I ran, I made it clear and I'm no bones about it. I was a senator for 36 years, so I'm not new to this. I'm tired of trickle-down economics. I'm a capitalist. I'm a capitalist. 
Let's get this bipartisan innovation act to my desk and look, folks, pass the damn bill and send it to me. If we do, it's going to help bring down prices, bring home jobs, empower America's manufacturing comeback. And we're also going to help reduce costs and strengthen our our economic and national security. It's no wonder the Chinese Communist Party is literally lobbying, paying lobbyists against this bill passing. If I note parenthetically again, I have spent, according to international folks, I spent more time with Xi Jinping, leader of China, than any other world leader has. Since I was vice president, he was vice president of China. And you know what? He makes it real clear. Makes it real clear. He believes, like other autocrats around the world, that democracies can't compete in the 21st century. (laughs) He's wandering off. I was in the Tibetan plateau with Xi Jinping. (laughs) With a translator. We each had a translator. And by the way, for the record, I turned all my notes over. <laughs> he says it straight up with me. That Holy there is no way for democracies to compete with autocracies. Why? Because we have to, re- we have to reach a consensus when we're in a democracy. So it takes time. Why would they give him a wireless microphone to let but him Autocrats wander. can move immediately. He starts climbing. They don't have to wait. <laughs> well, guess what? So far... The last decade, he's been right. And by the way, I showed up at a meeting called Lieutenant the G7, here. He's largest economies in the, the world meet. See that and guess what? There. Two of them said that to me that they thought that America's days were over as leader. I sat down at the meeting, the first meeting I attended. I have one on Saturday, but the first meeting I attended in England. <laughs> and I had all the major G7 nations there, including two members that were not, two nations that were not members. <laughs> and I said, America's back. And, if you do five and, and seven, the president of one of the major companies looked at me and said, for how long? For how long? Not a joke. You guys know. Okay. I mean, you guys no, are you know, there's a thing for the, the Democratic Institute where I'm supposed the only to hold two there. of all the heads of state of Democratic countries. We had to do it virtually from the White House. <laughs> in the last 10 years, there's 15 fewer democracies. Like Colombo. Fewer. How much longer can Two I senators, Not more, by the way. fewer. Oh. We're going to rebuild America. We're going to rebuild a better America. $1.2 billion. Tr- trillion dollars. <laughs> Where are those two beautiful young girls? You see these young girls here? Oh, boy. They wrote me a letter oh, about wanting me to help do more on trains. Oh. Well, guess what? Because the guys behind me, we have allocated more money for rail systems in America than the entirety of the Amtrak appropriation oh, began the first. And I know about Amtrak. I've traveled 1.2 million miles on Amtrak. You get a kick out of this, Sherrod. I was, uh, the, the Secret Service doesn't like me taking the train because it stops too many places. Right. And, yeah, me too. And a guy named Angelo Negri, a conductor, senior conductor, walked up and said, Joey, baby, grabbed my cheek. I thought oh. he was going to shoot him. You know, they go, Joey. I said, Ange. I said, he's okay. He's a friend. True story. So I know a lot about trains. <laughs> Not a joke. I just told you about those computer about chips and Intel. It's going to make them here in Ohio. Well, America invented those chips. And the federal investment from NASA and the military that kept fledging chip industry alive because wages wages went up five and a half percent. People wanted to buy things, but why couldn't they buy them? Sugar's going down. Because they couldn't make them. Why couldn't they make them? They didn't have the chips. And one more thing. 
I know how to say the word union. It's cutting a WWE pro. Guys, yeah. you don't have to watch 2,000 Mules. It was rigged. <laughs> <laughs> he guys. could say union. Sher- Sherrod Brown and Rob Portman behind him there. I, I, I saved fledging. It's it's fledgling, Joe. <laughs> Gee, th- did, did, did you uh, read lips or did you add that? Shared Brown I, I really. Added that. I, added that. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put it out of the question. Look at those face. Look at that guy's hands. Look at Shared Brown. Look at oh Joe's rage. This guy's my my leader of my party. These are these are leaders. These are th- these are who Democrats vote for. One yeah, guy I, looks like Colombo. The other yeah, guy looks like the Sherrod other guy Brown. looks like a. Yeah, he's a big supporter of Biden. By the way, Portman is too. He's the biggest rhino there is. That's he, why he he's looks, not running again. He, he looks like a stiff Steve Martin. And yeah. then you've got the uh, the carcass known as President uh, Biden. Look how tough he is. All right. So speaking of that oh. story, I found this. This is great. This is the LOL of the day. Joey it. Baby story. Let's revisit it one more time and see how how. The history of the Joey Baby story. And the one guy at the center of this story, well, there's one little problem with this guy. Roll it, Jay. Angelo Negri was from, you remember, Ange? There's a guy named Angelo Negri. I said, Joey Baby, grab my cheek. <laughs> and Not a joke. And, uh, and I thought that he was going to get shot. Uh, true story. And Ange walks up to me and goes, Joey, baby, grabs my cheek. And I thought the Secret Service was going to blow his head off. Oh, I said, I swear to God, true story. And I thought he was going to get shot. <laughs> I'm serious. Joey, baby, what are you doing? And I thought the Secret Service was going to shoot him. I said, no, 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 he's good. He's good. True story. He's dead. Joey, but he's baby, <laughs> grabbed my cheek. I thought he was going to shoot him. You know, they go, Joey. I said, Ange. I said, he's okay. He's a friend. True story. Joey, baby, grab my cheek. I thought the Secret Service was going to shoot him. Joey, grab my cheek. Go to story. The Secret Service was going to shoot him. I said, no. I said, he's okay. True story. Then, as vice president, we figure you've done X number of trips, and adds up to one million two hundred thousand miles on Amtrak. One million two hundred thousand miles, not counting as vice president. And he said, you travel 1,515,000 miles on Amtrak. Average 131 days a year, 257 miles a day. Joey, you travel over 2 million miles. Big deal. You travel 2,100,000 miles on Amtrak. But 2,200,000 miles. You're looking at Mr. Amtrak. Do we have 23? I travel over over 1,250,000 miles on Amtrak. Getting there. Come on. I am the most railroad guy you're ever going to meet. Two million, one hundred thousand miles on Amtrak. Big jump. Hear me now? Yeah. Not a joke. Not a joke. And so they gave me a key to the engine because I could, I'm the only one I know of. I'm not supposed to say that, but I got it hidden. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they oh, gave man. you a key. Yeah. Okay. Who put that together? That there is you go. outstanding. Oh, man. 
One million two hundred thousand. One million five. Two million. Two million one. Two million two. We have two million three. Right, the price is right. <laughs> Come on down, <laughs> Joey baby. Joe, Joe, Joe. Let me ask you: Do you have do you have a, a boiled egg in your pocket? Maybe you can make that deal. So all the times he talked oh about Lord. this guy coming up to him after two thousand four, the guy died in two thousand fourteen. So why didn't he just say that the Secret Service actually did shoot him? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's how he died. Beyond being dead, he also wasn't even working for Amtrak after 93. Yeah. Right. So Not nothing about that story can be true. Nothing. But he said true story. Well, he would yeah. never lie. Yeah, he would swear never to God. lie. Swear to God. <laughs> he said true story every time in his punchline. And he knows about trains. Well, the miles, too. I think one time he meant miles. The other time he meant kilometers. That's that's probably the difference. (laughs) That's probably the difference in the numbers. Yeah. But I guess all that riding on trains means he's qualified to have a key to a train now. Right. Well, he's not supposed to say that. Yeah. Right. But he can say union. <laughs> yeah, I used to travel by plane a lot. I should fly one of those next. Yeah. Give me the key to the plane. <laughs> Joey Baby. All right, we're back. News and sports coming up. We have had the worst start to a year, January through April, I think, what, in like 80 years. How are you worried, David? Are you concerned? What's going on? How do you explain it? And what's your take on the capital markets right now? Well, we're going through a period of change and shift after a long period of monetary policy that was very, very accommodative. And there are a handful of things that have happened over the course of the last few years. Uh, that have led to a relatively abrupt change in policy. And that change in policy is affecting asset prices. That change in policy is trying to underwind the inflation that's now rooted in the economy. Um, I'm concerned about the path of this. I think we'll find a path through. It's hard to estimate whether we'll have a soft landing or whether we'll ultimately have to have a recession to slow down this inflation that's embedded in the economy. But we're really getting a response to a combination of loose monetary policy, the pandemic, the disruption it caused, significant fiscal policy. And we're now coming out of the pandemic and trying to unwind all that in a much more complicated world. I think the situation in Ukraine has made the world more complicated. Geopolitics in China have made the world more complicated. And so we have a more uncertain period that we're all going to have to navigate through. It seems pretty clear the Fed's going to raise by 50 basis points this week. How confident, David, are you in what Jay Powell is doing in his course of action right now? Well, the, the Fed is on it and it's focused. Um, I think that the perception of how aggressively they're going to move to raise rates has changed over the last couple of months. Uh, but the course of that and whether or not they can land the plane very smoothly is uncertain. Soft landing, soft dish landing. 
Maybe neither. And I keep talking to you about inflation. If you look at the capital markets that they were just talking about in that clip, taking a hit, every market's taking a hit and continues to take a hit. Because the markets don't think that the Fed is going to get control of this. They think they're behind the, way behind the ball. And they're not sure that 50 basis points, as they took 75 off the table, is getting the job done. So what have you been looking at? I hope you've been looking at gold and silver. Because gold's been acting exactly as it should, as a hedge against inflation. And it's pretty much been flat throughout this, which, by the way, flat's been down 1%, I think, today, but pretty good, given everything else is down 50% in the markets. So if you haven't looked at physical gold and silver, now's the time to do it. And the people to speak to there are our friends at Birch Gold Group, experts in precious metals, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of satisfied customers. Most importantly, they'll give you options. You can buy gold coins. You can convert an existing IRA to a gold IRA. You can even convert an eligible 401k account to a gold IRA account. And think about if you had done that 60 days ago. And you're looking at it today, you probably saved yourself 40% of its value. Here's how you get started. Text America, send it to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free information kit with absolutely no obligation. They'll show you how to protect your gold and silver investments in a tax-sheltered account. So get the facts, get started today. You have nothing to lose. Text the word America, send it to 989898. And get your free information kit from Birch Gold. They've made it super easy. Just text America to 989898 and let our friends at Birch Gold show you how owning gold and silver could help protect that savings. You know, the other thing in these kind of markets, people panic sell. Now you've got capital gains taxes, you got, you know, or you're taking losses. You know, you're realizing something instead of unrealizing. If you don't sell, it's only on paper that you're down. If you sell, now you may have tax issues to deal with. You may have losses. You may have, unre you may have realized gains now or losses. That's the other issue. So physical gold and silver, specifically gold that I've been watching, has been holding up quite well and acting as it, it's supposed to be. So, all right, let's do some sports. 21 past the hour, live from Studio 6B. And here with that is at Slick Rick Sports on Getter, Twitter, and True Social. Rick Amorati, what's going on, pal? Big D. Well, NHL, two teams looking to take commanding 3-1 to leads in this series. Right now, the Pittsburgh Penguins looking to close out the Rangers. 6-2, to looking pretty good there at the PPG Arena in Pittsburgh, uh, as that game only has about eight minutes to go. And the Capitals just went up 2-1 to over the Panthers, and they're also looking to take that commanding 3-1 to lead. So uh, we will keep an eye on that as the week progresses. NBA playoff action in Milwaukee Bucks right now, leading the Boston Celtics by 10-78. 68 late third. Giannis Atenacompo continues to dominate 28 points, 16 boards, and uh, Milwaukee is also looking to take a commanding 3-1 lead. Guys, big upset in the boxing world on Saturday night. Don't know if you caught that. So much going on. This was under a lot of people's radars, but Dimitri Bivol scores stunning unanimous decision victory over Canelo Alvarez in Las Vegas. Mike Coppinger, ESPN. Uh, Dimitri Bivol is uh, one of the biggest boxing upsets in recent memory. Scored unanimous decision 
in the T-Mobile Arena Saturday night. All three judges scored the fight 115-113, but the bout wasn't nearly that close. Still, Bavol needed to win the final three rounds on all the cards. Uh, equally puzzling, all three judges scored the first four rounds for Alvarez. The judges view, view aside, Bavol 20-0, 11 KOs, was in control from the opening bell as he used his size, including a four-inch height advantage at six feet tall to the five-foot-eight Alvarez range jab to retain his uh, light heavyweight battle, uh, title. Alvarez obviously stepping up from that, you know, uh, welterweight, middleweight, where he's always dominated over the years. Keep in mind, he's only lost one other time, and that was to the great Floyd Mayweather, who is one of the greatest boxers in boxing history. So this is a very large upset. They were looking for a big, you know, trilogy fight with Gennady Golovkin uh, from Ukraine, uh, but that's not going to happen now. Obviously, Alvarez has to m- immediately exercise his option for a uh, for a rematch, and it's going to be, I think this is going to turn into be another legacy of fights because Canelo Alvarez, truly one of the best we've seen. Pound for pound, ESPN best boxer lost Saturday night. Stunning upset. And uh, Joey Logano bumps William Byron late to win the Goodyear 400 at the Darlington Raceway. This is an AP report, Darlington, South Carolina. After William Byron squeezed him against the wall on a final restart, Joey Logano knew that he'd uh, do it. What he'd do if he got the chance to regain the lead? Logano bumped Byron from behind on the next to last lap to win the Goodyear 400. As yesterday, and Byron hit the wall in turn three, and Logano went uh, on to take his first win of the season and first at the track, uh, too tough, which is known as or quoted as too tough to tame Darlington. So uh, there's something to be said for an angry race driver, said Logano, who broke a 40 race winless drought. So he needs to say there was some choice words at the end of the, at the end of the race, which seems to be the norm now. These guys, they might as well put them in a steel cage, these car races, because they're going at it left and right. And uh, one more big deal, USFL. I don't know how many people are watching. It's certainly nobody in the stands. Nobody. It's really terrible. It's actually abysmal. Um, but real quick update. Stars 26 to 25 over the Panthers. Panthers missed a chip shot field goal to to put themselves over the stars right at the end there. Generals, 21-13 to 13 over the Maulers. Uh, despite two missed field goals, Stallions, uh, Stallions 16-10 to 10 over the ba- Bandits. Birmingham, who's actually playing at home because all the games are played in Birmingham, uh, is undefeated. And the break is 23-16 to 16 over the Gamblers. Uh, right now in the North Division, the Generals at 3-1 and one lead that division. And in the South Division, well, it's the undefeated Birmingham Stallions. They're 4-0, and oh, Big D. So, uh, wow. yeah, I, I, not looking good. I know it's hard to get too, too excited. I, I thought that had a little... A little life to it, but when I saw no people in the stands opening night, no. nobody cares. No, nobody. USFL cares. is, uh, and I didn't see long. Canelo because, of course, I was watching the real, um, which we'll get to in the, the real next... mixed martial art, the real fighting. Which is, of course, if I want to watch people just punch each other, I want to watch them kick and wrestle and do all everything else too. Yeah, the big one punch. in Phoenix. Yep. So I was watching that. Yep. And I'm, s- I'm still looking for Tony Ferguson's head, and I can, no one can find it because it got kicked off of his shoulders. <laughs> it's in the Footprint Center's parking Holy lot. Holy cow. <laughs> Holy cow. It, dude, those guys are so tough. It is. Uh, oh, it, the animals. How animals. he, I, I honestly for 10 seconds thought that maybe he would be, he might dead. be dead. Yeah. Did you? I can't believe there's not more death in that thing. Did you see the still of his face? Yeah. Yep. Holy moly. I honestly, when he went to the ground and Herb Dean was waving really hard, like, get in here, I was like, oh, man, I think this could be a problem. I, uh, I can't believe there's not like a tank of ice for the submerged guys into it I, in case there's brain trauma. <laughs> yep. That's oh, in my next segment. It was brutal. Yep, I have that. But magnificent all at the same time. All right, live from Studio 6B on a Monday. We're back.
right, 30 minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Monday night. Glad you're in. We'll do some news. Um, by the way, Seven Cells, this week only, I believe, till Sunday, 25% off for this audience, everything. So if you haven't stocked up on ivermectin yet or you don't have um, what you need, if you think COVID's still going to be an issue. Eamon, people are saying you're glowing today. Is there any reason why? I'll tell you why. It's because... Um, Dr. Timothy Chung sent me their new skincare line. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I tried this, this scrub and no, pretty good. <laughs> smells delicious. I want to eat it <laughs> instead of use it. <laughs> eat everything else. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Hold on. Hello. Excuse me. <laughs> hey, Delgado, you don't you see the glutes on TikTok? <laughs> So, you just reminded me of a... Gr- oh, is that funny, Rick? It's like Rick, by the way. Oh, Paul, I see you laughing, too. Let's get a shot of the control room. What's going on in there? They're on the floor. We don't need to do that. <laughs> Shut up, Gio. You, you cut away from Damon, you come back, his mic's half gone. <laughs> oh, 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 everybody's, everybody's a little jealous of my seven cells. What I was trying to say was 25% off. 7cells.com this week, Ivermectin. Check out the skin uh, care line. Your, your skin looks very tight. Thank you very much. Congratulations. Yeah. Like a tiger. It's really nice. It's high-end looking, honestly. You know, now, do you have to wear it like all night? Is it a mud pack? No, or it's, yeah. you know, regular. This, <laughs> I don't pack. know. I'm he doesn't look a day over 50. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, CVS, those... Sons of you know what's they sent me some text saying, Hey, you know, people over fifty should really start to worry about the shingles. Oh my I get gosh. this text out of nowhere. I said, Now these now they're gonna rub it in. CVS. I gotta take it from them. Well, Rick put you on their list, so <laughs> I put them on a cemetery plot list. <laughs> oh god, I hate all of you so much. Uh what are we doing? We're doing news with uh, Paul Nolan, which is brought to you by it's how it got me started on this, sevencells.com. Check them out. What's going on, Paul? Um, well, uh <laughs> this is great. Uh Michigan I hate Police Delgado. That's funny. God, I hate him. Michigan police sees voting machine during investigation into possible election breaches. Uh, this is from Epoch and um, Zero Hedge. Uh, Michigan State Police officials with uh, Mich- Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel's office seized an Irving Township voting tabulator on April 29th. Um, the seizure was done in pursuant to a search warrant. Uh, they said the township intends to fully cooperate with law enforcement and the township's attorneys have been in contact with Michigan State Police regarding this matter. The township has no further comment at this time. An investigation was launched earlier this year at the request of Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, who said her office received reports that an unnamed third party was allowed to access vote tabulator components and technology in Roscommon County. Uh, they were said that uh, Benson said Michigan law is clear about the security threats that emerge when anyone gains unauthorized access to our election machines or technology. I have no tolerance for those who seek to illegally tamper with our voting equipment. Who this said is, this? Whose court is this? This is um, um, uh, Jocelyn Benson, the secretary of state of Michigan. I'm stunned by that. Jocelyn Benson and Dana Nessel couldn't give two dams about uh, election integrity, and I would I would expect to get no help from either one of them. I'm stunned by this story. Yeah, well, I mean, 
Yeah, well, someone. I thought I saw something about in the feed. Um, something about Wisconsin did something. I didn't. I was it ripped by. I got. Let's be honest. That getter feed rolls so fast. Yeah, like it's sometimes. I think someone posted it there, but um, I'd like to. I'll, I'll look that up in the next break. Uh, there looks like some shenanigans going on in Wisconsin as well. By the way, uh, Hunter Biden is in the news again. Uh, the Post is reporting a big shot. Hollywood lawyer reportedly paid off Hunter Biden's delinquent taxes, which the source told the Post amounted to more than $2 million. President Biden's notoriously troubled son awaits the results of a Delaware grand jury investigation into his personal finances. Kevin Morris, an entertainment attorney and novelist who earned a fortune representing the co-creators of South Park and won a Tony Award as co-producer of the Book of Mormon, foot Hunter Biden's overdue taxes totaling over $2 million, more than twice what was previously reported. And um, Morris, whom Hunter Biden uh, friends call his latest sugar brother, has also been funding the 52-year-old's lifestyle in, in L.A., including his rent, living expenses, and... Uh, other things, I guess that means crack. <laughs> um, uh, so these Hookers, Hollywood low crack, lives. Who knows what else? <laughs> these Hollywood low lives. I mean, they just. I mean, it's just one. It's like who could out creep the next one? Cut five G. Speaking of this, we've talked about these specific tests that are referenced in this um, clip, but let's roll it. Cut five. Over the weekend, we learned that Hunter's lucrative business dealings often included giving as much as 50% of his earnings to his dad, President Joe Biden, according to text messages on the old laptop. The text read, quote, I hope you all can do what I did and pay for everything for this entire family for 30 years, Hunter allegedly said to his daughter Naomi in 2019, quote, it's really hard, but don't worry. Unlike Pop, I won't make you give me half your salary. Pop is in reference to the president. Yes, it is. Not corn pop. Don't try to get by with that. He's got to get his beak wet. And you know what's crazy about that? I think we reported that like six, eight months ago. Exactly, we did, yeah. because Raheem Kassam and those guys had these messages right mm. away because yeah. they had a copy of the hard drive, so we saw them all. Mm. Yeah. And they're, it, it, probably at least that, seven, eight months ago. Yeah. And they're just getting out to the masses now. It's insane. Yeah. Um, all right, anything else in news, Paul? There's a couple things. I, I was going to save it for the next segment. but That's uh, fine, because I want to get back to this weasel esper. Uh, or do you want to do them now? Well, just real quick, Twitter employees learn what to expect from Musk. Work ethic expecta- expectations would be extreme. I mean, this is funny. Incoming Twitter owner Elon Musk has a message for platform employees about their new boss's expectations. Be pe- prepared to work hard under my leadership. Work ethic expectations would be extreme, much less than I demand of myself, uh, Musk tweeted. Um, Twitter and Musk the owner of CEO of SpaceX and electric car company Tesla announced April 25th he's going to buy the social media platform. We all know that. In a previous post, Musk signaled Twitter under his leadership would focus on free speech and be super focused on hardcore software engineering, design, infosec, and server hardware. So that's all I wanted to touch on, Musk, and Mm. some of his strange tweets over the weekend. I'm going to make uh, a... uh, I'll save that for later. I'm going to make a Nostradamus moment here. I don't think this deal's going through. <laughs> I don't think he ends up buying it. Yeah, I've been uh I haven't been overly sold on it either. Why do you think? I don't know. I've just followed what he's saying on online and I think he's um 
I saw somebody said to him, you know, for a billion dollars, you could build something better than Twitter the way you want it from the start. And certainly for another billion, you could get the network, uh, you could get the network effect. And by the way, you could not put Tesla and SpaceX in limbo while you're doing it. Like they kind of are now because people are worried his attention is going to get taken away. He says he's going to be like interim CEO, then turn it over. If you're a Tesla shareholder, you're not that happy about this at all. But there is one fact that you might want to consider. Tesla's not really a car company. It's a data mining company. And this is another access to data. And when you integrate both data mining situations, you have a, like, a, you, like you have eyes on the ground everywhere. That, that car records everything it sees, feels, touches, and, and goes. I don't know. I, I, there's there's got to be something there. Um, I don't think it closes. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. You know what? I, I, but he I'm, said to the person who said, you know, for a couple billion, you could do this from scratch by yourself and have something probably better. And he responded, which he doesn't, I mean, he, he's pretty active, but he responds saying, you know, you might be right, which I don't know. I thought was a weird, you know, he didn't come back with, well, no, Twitter's the town hall and I'm really looking to do X, Y, Z or whatever, whatever, why it's so important. He said, you might be right. Mm. I don't know. Well, it's interesting to think about. It, it's funny, Damon, that you mentioned that because I've read some people that have said, you know what, this deal might, he might pull out of the deal because of some of the things that they purported to, you know, say that they had, they don't really have. Like all these bot farms, so they don't have the users that they claimed they had at the time of the deal, which could give him an out. So you're saying, what was it, like supposedly 2 million bots on the platform? Probably more than that. That is so active that you're saying that raises its uh, its social signal activity value? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I was... How many, does anyone have an S? I would just love to see it go through just so he open sources everything. I'd like to see, I'd like to see it go through. We'll see. I could be wrong, but I, I, I don't, don't know. Don't I'm not Musk, getting that warm, fuzzy feeling on this whole deal anymore. Does anyone really after. trust Musk, though? I, I certainly don't. Yeah, I do when it comes to this. Hmm. I like everything he said about it. And, and quite frankly, if he went through and did what he actually said, he'll have done more for probably free speech than any Republican you could point to in the last. That's a true story. I don't know. Long time. Yep. So we'll see. Uh, let's get back to Mark Esper. Let's do a couple of the clips, G. Let's do cut. Which one did we say I wanted to do for sure? Cut two. This is unbelievable. Roll that. The president pulls me aside on at least a couple occasions and suggests that maybe we have the U.S. military shoot missiles into Mexico. Shoot missiles into Mexico for what? He would say to, to go after the cartels. And we would have this private discussion where I'd say, Mr. President, I, you know, I, I understand the motive because he was very serious about dealing with drugs in America. I get that. We, we all understand. But I had to explain to him, we, we can't do that. It would violate international law. It would be terrible for our neighbors to the south. It would, you know, impact us in so many ways. Why, why don't we do this instead? You politely push back on the idea. Did President Trump really say no one would know it was us? Yes. Yes, I, 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 he said that. And I, I just thought it was fanciful, right? Because, of course, it would be us. I was reluctant to tell this story because I think I, I thought Listen people won't this. believe this, that they'll think I'm just making it up and folks in, in, in Trump's orbit will, will dispute it. And then I was having dinner after the election in 2020 with a fellow cabinet member. And... And he said to me, he goes, you know, remember that time when President Trump suggested you shoot mess missiles into Mexico? 
And I said to him, you, you heard that? He goes, oh, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. And I couldn't believe how, how well you managed and talked him down from that. And at that moment, I knew I got to write the story because I at least have one witness who yeah. will verify that this really did yeah, happen. Write it. Mm. Hey, D, remember the time uh, this guy said he wanted to kill every child that, that he saw like in, in the inner cities? Oh, yeah, I remember. Okay, I have a witness, though. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. who believes Joke. these people? I just Yeah, who? Name the cabinet member, right. Weasel. And then let's just let, let's just lay out the lie detector and put your fingers in it and have Trump do the same. Let's see who's telling the truth at this point. What, what, what's crazy, though, is that haven't we done stuff like that anyway? Where yeah. people don't realize that we've done things like we the CIA and, you know. Privateers. Right. We've had privateers killing people forever. Overthrowing governments. Mark Esper's pro-drug cartel, by the way. <laughs> Clearly. Um, back to this article by Monica Showalter. She says, let's look at this guy, Esper, and what he's laying out now as he's trying to generate outrage against President Trump. One, he's a big fan of Joe Biden's Ukraine performance. Seems to favor mission creep, drawing the U.S. closer and closer towards involvement in that conflict and eventually war. He has praise for House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's Congress, too, and the way she runs it. The impeachment of Trump was brought up, too, in this interview, which began with Vindman's leaks about Trump asking President Zelensky to keep up the corruption investigations into the Bidens while seemingly withholding aid as leverage, while Esper bucked for a release of aid without strings. I'll finish this when I get back. to the hour live from studio 6b we'll do sports here in a second just to finish this idea about these missiles going into mexico that uh, this weasel esper talks about um monica showalter says he claimed that trump wanted to send missiles over the mexican border to hit the cartel hideout something president trump has announced no comment on esper blithely dismissed that the u.s was undergoing a flood of drugs from mexican cartels and vaguely claimed there were other ways to stop it but he didn't offer any ideas to o'donnell uh, left unsaid was the Mex- that was that Mexico's president uh, has responded to pressure tactics in the past, as was evident enough when President Trump cut off trade with Mexico and shut the border in order to get his Remain in Mexico deal through, which resulted in the halting of migrant caravans. Also left unsaid was that the U.S. had very much employed such tactics through its ally Colombia in 2006 and 2007 which had no problem launching cross-border attacks into Ecuador and possibly Venezuela when those nations were caught harboring drug-dealing terrorists on their territories. It's actually been done before, and yes, it did tamp down that activity considerably. Getting rid of Mexico's cartels would have been a favor to Mexico, actually, given the threat these criminals posed to that government. Dismissing the idea is ridiculous, was maybe Esper, if possible, at his stupidest in this interview. <laughs> so there's more to this. I'll post this on our social media. It's pretty good takedown of this weasel. But uh, we don't have time to even get to the other clips. But who cares? He's just a jackass, and that's all you need to know. Just another weasel that's out looking to, uh, looking to undermine the president and cash in on his 
whatever. I don't want to say notoriety because he doesn't have any. Who cares about this guy? But just, you know, we have got to start uniting and getting people who are there for the, and who understand the mission and are there if he runs again and wins, which he clearly could, or whoever it is. Personnel, we, we got to pay more attention to some personnel here. We can't have 50 people writing books, leaving after a year, two years, three years, and then giving, the, giving us these tell-all books. I mean, I know some of it you probably can't stop, but my God. These bunch of lowlifes, all these people. How do they get in this administration in the first place? I don't know. All right, let's do some sports with Slick Rick before we wrap it up. What's going on, Slick Rick? All right, one last round of updates. Uh, NBA action, good one. Celtics have come back to go ahead 97-94 over the Bucks. Celtics looking to basically put themselves uh, in a better way by tying the series 2-2 because they go down 3-1. It's going to be tough. And being led by, of all people, Al Horford with 29 points. I'll tell you, these old guys like Harden and Horford really making that, making it uh, come back. And uh, so NHL action, it's over. The Rangers have lost 7-2 to to the Pittsburgh. Penguins, who take a commanding three-game-to-one lead. Uh, so uh, not looking good for the Rangers. They'll try to bring it back Wednesday night in the Garden, try to force the uh, game six if they can. And uh, going to overtime, the uh, Capitals uh, right now, 2-2 with the Panthers. Uh, and that game is uh, just went to OT, and we'll see what happens there. So good stuff going on there. And let's talk about that UFC lightweight bout, Big D, that you were watching on Saturday night. Really a stormer there. Charles uh, Oliveira uh, submits Justin Gaethje in first round of the UFC lightweight. This is from Brett Akamato. Second round. Uh, said in, in, first in round first round of UFC thought about, I'm reading the report the way I'm reading What's it from Brett Akamato. Yeah, That's how I'm reading it. Uh, Phoenix Charles Oliveira isn't the official champion, but he's still the champion. Oliveira, under extremely difficult circumstances, submitted Justin Gaethje. Oh, oh I'm, so, I'm sorry. I was thinking of the, um, the, the guy who got kicked. He actually won the first round, then got, yeah, yes, yes. Oliveira and um, Gaethje were, was the second round. Right. Uh, via Rio naked choke just 322 into the first round of their lightweight battle at UFC 274 inside the footprint center Oliveira, uh, 33 and 8, was scheduled to defend his title against Gaethje, 23 and 4, at UFC 274. But everyone knows the story. He was a half pound over in the weight, uh, which was just absolutely incredible. Um, but uh, what can I tell you? Uh, the Brazilian fighter was ultra aggressive from the opening bell. He staggered Gaethje, who was from Arizona. He was in his hometown fighting immediately with a right hand and threw kicks to the body. Gaethje responded in kind, dropped Oliveira twice in the very short fight, once with a left hook and again with a right. Uh, but uh, at the end, Gaethje refused to tap out and went unconscious, and that's when everybody got nervous, right? Big D, that was a, a very He's scary. A beast, Gaethje. No, Gaethje I mean, tapped. He yeah. tapped right before he was going out. Yeah, so uh, Gaethje refused to tap, and he did go unconscious. So, uh, good, good one. I did not see that bout, um, but uh, yeah, I heard that was a really good one. So, and uh, let's get over no, to. He the- did tap. I don't know what that guy who wrote that story was watching. He tapped. Yeah. Brett Alcamado. Yep, I did. I did. I'm just reading off the report. So next time I'll watch it. I'll I'll bill you for the pay per view. Uh, and Guyman Pioneer <laughs> Days Rodeo. Guyman <laughs> Oklahoma. We're on a tight budget here on the show. You know that the Henry C Hitch Pioneer Arena. Bareback riding. Jess Pope. 92 points on Frontier Rodeos. Gun fire. 3300 dollars. Steer wrestling. Best uh, best first round score. Tyler Waggis pack. 3.4 seconds. That was the best of the three rounds. 1960. Team roping. Also best score was the third round. Shake. Dixon, Carroll, and Evan Arnold, 5.7 seconds. Bow racing, the second round, best score. Leslie Smalgo, 16.85 seconds. That's an excellent.
excellent score. And bull riding, Garrett Smith, 91 points on Frontier Rodeo Gladiators Hammer. One more story, Big D. New York Jets honor Long Beach boy who tragically died at Little League game. We reported on this last week. Uh, this is uh, from the Greater Long Island. Nick Esposito wrote this. The New York Jets are one of the latest to honor the life of young Lazar LaPena, a 10-year-old Long Beach boy who died on a Little League baseball field. For the upcoming rookie minicamp, Jets head coach Robert Salas said no one will be assigned number nine, the number that little Lazar uh, wore. Lazar tragically died after suffering an epileptic seizure after getting a base hit last Friday. Since then, the local community and beyond have paid tribute to him by standing bats outside their front doors and encouraging others to do so in the social media post tagged uh, bats out for Lazar. Lazar's father, Greg, posted a tribute saying that uh, he was actually putting the score, he was taking care of the scoring book for the Little League team and he was marking his son down for a single, looked up, smiled, and his son was excited and passed out right on first base and unfortunately passed away. What a sad story. Really shook that Long Beach, Long Island community. Mm. Sad. So Heart that's a wrap in imagine. sports. All right. Thanks, Look, Rick. Anything else in news, Paul, before we wrap up? Just a couple things. The leftist uh, protests have gone completely bonkers. I mean, we see them everywhere, including, you know, uh, going to the SCOTUS home to uh, pressure these uh, judges. Um, according to uh, former Attorney General Bill Barr, who's not really our favorite on this audience, uh, said Monday on Jesse Waters' primetime that the protests outside the homes of Supreme Court justices after a draft opinion leaked um, said, uh, you see these protesters at the homes of these justices, what goes through your mind? And Barr responded, well, that's not a valid form of protest because it's a violation of the law. There is a time and place for protests, and the federal statute makes it clear if you go to the house of a judge, a residence of a judge, to influence the judge in his deci- decision and demonstrate uh, that is a federal crime. So again, when, you, when you've lost Paul Begala on this, you've, <laughs> at the left, you've pretty much lost, obviously, one of your own. This is wrong, stupid, potentially dangerous, and politically counterproductive on this exact um, nonsense going outside the homes, which I don't think I heard Joe Biden or, I know, uh, what's her name, Circle Back told us, well, there's a lot of passion on the other side. Have, have any of them spoken about this? She was asked about it. She, she didn't condemn it, but she said, you know, we support it as long as they don't break the law. Well, well it sounds to, like Bill Barr, like they're already breaking the law. What about that guy from Waukesha? Maybe he'd come ripping through there and clean some of those jackasses out. What? You know, here, you know, the guy from Waukesha ran over the little old ladies. You know, I mean, we, we don't hear anything about that guy, but these, you know, let's see that guy come ripping through and, and take these crazies out. I'm so sick of the left gets away with everything they want. These protesters do whatever they want. I saw this little lady getting beat up in the streets of Manhattan. Getting the daylights knocked out of a by a couple young women screaming that I love abortion, wearing I heart abortion shirts. It's sick. It's like sick. I, I don't think I, I can't really fit this in 43 seconds, but this on MSNBC, this clip of this so-called comedian. Well, I mean, here's the thing, here's my feeling about the leaker. I, I would like to find out who the leaker is so I could make sweet love to that person because that person is a hero <laughs> to me. Okay, and if the leaker, a lot of people are saying it could be a conservative. If the leaker is a Republican, uh, and if I get pregnant during our lovemaking, I will joyfully abort our fetus and let them know. That's pleasant. Wow, what a charmer! That's a, that's MSNBC uh, programming there for you. That's the left. That's what passes as quality content. All right, as always, we salute our military, active and active, police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. 
Thanks, everybody, on the show. Thanks, Gene. Thanks, Fran. Most of all, as always, thank you, the Live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m., live from Studio 6B.